0: Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Carr claps his hands. Now gets the ball. Back to pass again. Fires towards the end zone. Adams reaches, grabs, diving grab for his first Raiders touchdown. Plenty of time over the middle. It's incomplete, and it's a two-point conversion that fails. Carr, here comes the pressure, steps up, man around him, doesn't get rid of it, he fumbles the ball, and the chargers are on top of it.
1: Doesn't matter. Sports the
0: six-sack of Derek Carr gives the Chargers the ball back with 152 to go in the ball game. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Twin Peaks on a Monday night. This is where we are all season long. Willie's hosting the party coming up 5-7. to seven. We do a 2-5 to five show getting you ready for MNF Seahawks taking on the guy they didn't want, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, GM. They didn't want him. You know, too much talking. Uh, how much control do you want? Now, you know, we'll just find another Russell Wilson. We find out tonight. We know Geno Smith ain't another Russell Wilson, and Drew Locke certainly isn't. So I believe the goal of the Seahawks is to – have Gino out there for as long as he is useful, which means lose, brother. Uh, but we'll see what they turn out tonight. And the line on this game is six. Willie Ramirez is here. Like I said, he has to be here. He's hosting the party. He's doing the uh, Co-Final Company Monday show. Mateo is uh, twirling all the dials and slides. And already doing the same thing back in our Finley Toyota studio. Big five time.
0: Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number
2: five. So a little more on Cal and UNLV, as I said about 20 minutes ago. You know, these are the games that they need to win. It's funny, I was talking to someone after the game, and uh, Sanchez and company had gone to Northwestern, and it had kind of the same feel. You're like, they're in a position right now. They're as good as this team they're going against from a Power 5. you got to win the game. That team didn't win the game against Northwestern. And the Rebels didn't get it done yesterday. And they had five chances to take the lead in the second half. And they did a lot of good things in the game, but they come up short. And these are the games that killed them last year. They went 2-10, Willie. 0-6 in games that were eight points or less. This was a close game after the first quarter. Got to win that game.
3: Yeah, that's something that we've been talking about, that this was going to be the year that they turned that corner. You talk about the Northwestern trip, but if you remember – I can't remember the margin, but they were hanging with Michigan in the big house when they went there. So, I mean,
2: um, this Hung with Arizona State last year until late in the third quarter yeah, that and then score got was a little bit tired. Indicative. But this this team, they weren't tired. No. Um, I just – they didn't handle pressure well down the stretch, and they got off to a slow start. And they got they got penalized off the field. They got over 100 yards in penalties, which hurt them, a couple of PIs, some holding. So, it's, you know, against a team like Cal – You can't make mistakes like that.
3: No, and and that was one of the things that, that, you know, when I was streaming the game, um, and and I wanted to ask you, um, I wanted to ask you because – We've been talking about uh, Brumfield, right? And and we talked about how comfortably he looked against Idaho State. Obviously, he wasn't facing the same pressure. And I know he – I mean, this is all about repetition, I think. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to put the – it's one thing, you know, I asked a couple of people about this, different places, and they said, well, this is where he's got to be coached up. They immediately want to point to Arroyo on this one. And, you know, earlier I pointed to McDaniels with Carr, but in this one – there's only so much that Brumfield could have been doing in terms of getting playing time, getting reps, getting on the field. Right, he, he spent some time injured. The part that I was a little confused with, or a little disturbed with, he's not a running quarterback. He's not a guy. He didn't come here as a dual threat, but he in those in those last that last drive and in the fourth, he was collapsing under pressure and he was waiting way too long. And I don't mean holding the ball. What I mean is just standing there, allowing the pocket to collapse around him. Get yourself up a little mobile, move a little bit. Is that his style? Is that what Arroyo wants him to do? I wanted to ask you that.
2: I think he's kind of caught in between because he got beat up running the ball last year. I think he is actually a really good runner. But I think he's trying to develop into a pocket passer. And we'll, we'll get into it with Caleb a little later in the week, Caleb Herring. Because um, I, I heard Caleb saying it during the game. I was down on the field. Yeah, I, obviously, I listened to the broadcast as part of the broadcast. And there were a few plays down the stretch where it looked like Doug – Brumfield didn't slide protection over. Um, you know, clearly, a guy was going to blitz, and that's that's what kind of got him on the. Yeah. It was the third down play when they were at the eight yard line, and then little things you got to execute. Uh, Arroyo said it multiple times today during his press conference. The play where they're first and eight, they're down twenty fourteen. There's about three minutes left. They drop a beautiful play, roll out. Brumfield's running at Aiden Robbins, who's open, and then Ricky White's covered right behind that, about three yards behind it. It looked like there was a little indecision there, mm. and he said, hey, that's a scoring play. we got to make it, yeah. you know, and, and Doug knows that. Um, it was a P.I. on fourth down. There's no doubt in my mind they should have had four more chances, and a lot of people reacted to the video and some of the pictures I sent out by saying, hey, it shouldn't come down to that. Well, it did. The officials right. have to you make their right call, right. but they are right. right. It shouldn't have come down to that because yeah. of mistakes you know, pass coverage mistakes, uh, both PIs and also deep coverage. So they're right there. But guess what? UNLV fans now have an expectation because they've been in a lot of these games. You need to win those games. And I don't know what Cal's going to do this week. Like Guy Haberman was just on with us who, uh, you know, works for the Pac-12 Network. And he said the Cal line, offensive line, didn't look good. Now now the case may be that's two games in a row now. The UNLV defense, the front seven, yeah. has brought heat. I mean, they're one of the leading sack teams in the con- when's the last time you could say that one one of the leading sack teams in the country We've got 12 sacks so far and it's a mix of a bunch of different guys so it may be the UNLV defensive front that is just that good
3: yeah and their rushing defense 13th in the nation they've only allowed an average of 69.5 yards per game overall total defense 42nd in the country allowing 304 yards per game so yeah, I mean, they're bringing the heat up front. They they're they're allowing the offense or they're putting the team as a whole in position to win games. And um, there's there's, a uh, I'll lesson. tell you,
2: there's been one there's been one common theme in both of the games, the big win over Idaho State even though they took a 45-7 lead. Um, and the game against Cal. I I didn't think they ran the ball early enough. They've got something going here. Mm-hmm. Reese is a good backup. But Robbins and that offensive line, they can get downhill. And I think I really think they need to kind of establish things early as a smash mouth team and then it kind of opens everything else up.
3: Yeah, it's you know there's a lot of things that are gonna to come together. This this is a we've been saying this, D. We said this during the summer, is that if you remember, because I think you repeated it, you, you said it to someone else. What I say is the most pivotal game on this schedule. No matter what, they're going to go into this game. If they go into it 0-2, which I didn't think they would, obviously it's a must-win. Most likely it would be 1-1. and There's a shot. I said that they could be 2-0, and and then it's really pivotal, right? So this, this is a game where a lot of those... Areas where they're not, they, they've sort of stumbled, a lot of areas that they're really thriving, it all comes together and it blends together against a North Texas team that I think UNLV can actually beat down. Considering North Texas doesn't play defense, they're ready to shoot it out. And in that case, it's going to possibly, if, if they want to let UNLV run with them by sort of just defensively collapsing because you're right near the bottom in a lot of defensive categories. North Texas, that is. Um, and it allows Brumfield to do what he, we saw him do against Idaho State. Well, guess what? Demi and Green are not going to run over this this defense, especially with Arroyo and his staff coaching them up, having plenty of time to prepare, don't have to travel in the stadium with the home crowd. I, I like UNLV. I mean, they're minus two last I saw this morning, um, and I think that they can I think that they can really put some, put something on North Texas and make a statement and bounce back off of a disappointing loss, like you said, in a game they should have won.
2: Number four. Interesting to see what they'll do, having expectations. Cowboys always have expectations. I don't know if these owners are delivering on the field what they're supposed to be in terms of personnel. One, I thought it was ridiculous in the offseason to come into training camp with Dak Prescott Really having no backup quarterback. He gets hurt last night. Why? Well, he was under pressure the entire game. Hurts his right hand. Now that's six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. This is a joke that they have Cooper Rush as the backup. Now going to play. And then Will Greer. There were veteran quarterbacks available. This is inexcusable. The other thing is, that O-line, will you give me a freaking break? Terrence Steele on the right side. How many... Illegal motion and holding calls he's going to get busted for in the second half. You already knew. Tyron Smith was an injury risk at left tackle. Where are the receivers? What kind of roster has this team put together? Cooper's gone. This is a disaster. Like, I'm watching that game last night, and the Bucs are good. You're a Cowboys fan. This is acceptable? No, that roster
3: no absolutely not and and just I, what's not accessible is the fact that you tried to hoodwink me into a bet on this game and I was going to have to lay points to you we have the promo because Ari keeps running it 10 penalties for 73 yards <laughs> sacked 4 times loss of 25 yards 3 of 15 on 3rd down 2 of 5 on 4th down 100% unacceptable it's a disaster
2: you got to switch teams uh, no, 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 You can't no, be no, a Cowboys no, no. fan. Yes, I
3: can. I, I, went can through, I, I went through winless season. You're old enough to remember those winless season. would are you, crazy? I don't jump ship and I don't snitch.
2: I last, uh, when the hell was it, Thursday, I was hanging with a longtime Cowboys fan, and he went on a diatribe for like a half an hour. And you know who we went after the most? No. was Stevie Jones, Jerry's son, hmm. who he says is going to turn into Jeannie Bus and Steinbrenner. That he is cheap. Trying to cut corners. It's sad. And obviously, the other elephant in the room, I don't want to kill the guy because he got money that he deserved for play prior to the contract. But the Zeke Elliott deal is killing them. And whatever the, the, they had, they tried to play Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time. And it was junk what they were trying. It was. It was just junk. They just hand the ball off or. Have him in one at a time. They Try to play them together, and it's like play action to freaking Zeke. Turn the other way. Throw a four-yard pass to Pollard. He's smothered. It's going nowhere. Again, I don't like This is like tip. This sounds like a bit right now that I'm overreacting this much. This is the worst team in the NFC East. And now without Dak, good luck. They got no shot, Willie. Well, Your team blows.
3: Listen, you said you, you can ridicule the contract all you want. But the guy's going to go after his money. He got. He touched the ball. T- he I'm touched the ball, at him. He touched the ball ten times. I actually thought I he ran pretty well. I want listen. I want to go back a couple of years. Okay. Only one time in 2020 did he have ten attempts. Last year he had ten or fewer attempts in five games. Now the first game of the season, he only touches the ball ten times. Yep. He's not calling the plays. I, th- I thought he it's looked good on when him. he ran the
2: ball. He's thinner, so he got in better shape. It's, well, this nah. is not well, on him. Guess play. what? If they have a strength at running back with a two-headed running back with Pollard and Zeke, no. now you're gonna have to now now, yeah, now, now, now no you're gonna have to lean on it. You
3: have no choice. But now you bring up the offensive line, so now you gotta. I mean, you have to clean up the mistakes, and you got to block. You guys are terrible. Cooper Rush.
0: Cooper, is Cooper Rush. Is
3: that Jimmy G deal is in set in stone? Jesus, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Paging Colin Kaepernick. Paging Colin Kaepernick.
2: How about something more realistic? Yeah. Paging Cam Newton. How about that? Where's Cam Newton? Because these guys, this ain't gonna happen, man. Cooper. No.
3: Let's see. Let me see. Cooper Rush. Cam Newton. Cooper Rush.
2: Yeah. Top three stories. Number three. I love the NFL. It's awesome. There were all these close games yesterday. It was dynamite. But what I don't love are the images I see at the games, after the games, and sometimes during the games. I don't – listen, I like to drink. I think that's the number one root of the problem is people getting annihilated at games. But how many different videos of fights did we see? Ra- I think it was all Raiders fans at SoFi who were slipping on the floor, throwing guys shirtless, lady stands up, she gets two left crosses. I mean, what – and there were lots – I, I think well, were there like 40 Lions fans who were well, just like, F it, we're just going to all fight each other. We're tired of this.
3: Let me let me jump in real quick. How many okay, videos do we have, gonna, have to let, see? I'm going to say this with with discretion here, so please let me finish before, not you, Steve, but be, listeners. Let me get to the end before you hear because when I start this, it's going to be um, the woman that got hit, double shot. She was swinging on the man. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that she deserved to get hit. What I am going to say is this. Ladies, if you're going to an NFL game and you see a brawl, they're obviously drunk and hammered. Uh, It's probably not best to get involved because someone's probably going to swing on you. And I'm not saying that they should. I'm just saying don't go into a stadium fight swinging on drunk individuals because you don't deserve to get hit. But these idiots are swinging on anybody, and sometimes they don't even know who they're swinging on. They just turn around and take a shot. So I I am not saying, hey, you swung on this guy, so you deserve to get hit. What I'm saying is just stay out of it, do what you get, security, whatever it is, but these guys just don't care.
2: I mean, it's not realistic that security is going to be able to control 75,000 people, 65,000 people. So what's the one common denominator that gets people going? All All sauced up, so... Yeah, well, but gonna, I don't think they're ever going to change that. No, because around the National Football League, it's too much of a moneymaker.
3: It is, and they're not going to, you know, they're they're certainly not going to move it to what is it, third quarter, end of third. They're not going to move it to halftime. So, but the thing is, it doesn't really matter when it is because people are getting snockered before they walk in. Yep. They're bringing miniature bottles or flasks, so it's it really they're bringing vape pens, probably who knows what they're doing. But the bottom line is, is they're getting annihilated and. You know, I, I saw three videos alone: Raiders, Chargers, Saints, Falcons, Cowboys, Buccaneers. I think the cow—if I'm not mistaken—I think the Cowboys Buccaneers. They, I don't even think it was against a Buccaneer fan. I think they were just beating someone up just to beat someone up.
2: Number two was was that the Chiefs yesterday against the Cardinals? Just beating someone up just to do it. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh man, Kyler Murray and company—they did not look prepared. And, again, I'm not going to overreact to one game, but I told you. Mah- Mahomes is going to be fine yeah. as long as they don't have rookies out there like the Packers have done with Aaron Rodgers. If you get decent number two guys and you join that group with Kelsey mm-hmm. and their running back core, Pat Mahomes is going to get it done, and they friggin' torched. The Cardinals.
3: Okay, we're not going to overreact, but there's two people that I don't feel as... <laughs> I don't. There's two quarterbacks that I am not feeling it's overreaction to. As a matter of fact, one of them was uh, Gooch, and I give out best bets on the Saturday morning show. Throw the flag. I, I swear to you, I don't know what his, I can't remember what his pick was. But going into Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, we were that was the, that was week six of the shows. We were either eight and two or nine and one. I hadn't lost yet. My best bet was Baltimore I'm not overreacting with Lamar Jackson whatsoever because I told him I said this dude's going off with a mission with the contract situation now I'm not when it comes to Patrick Mahomes did I see him just coming out first week swinging not like that and I was right there saying it right this is the only bet between you and I I might be a little bit worried about and it's not because I've lost faith in the Raiders it's because oh my goodness
2: I have Chiefs minus two and a half wins against the Raiders yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, Chiefs okay. look good. Mahomes now. All together look In good. five openers, 5 and 0, 73% completion, 1,542 yards, 18 touchdowns, zero interceptions in five season openers. And he was friggin'. Ridiculous. Dynamite. 144.2
3: rating, 30 of 39, 360 yards, five, five. Count them. One, two, three, four, five touchdowns.
2: Number one. Boy, Willie was passing around a lot of blame, folks. If you miss hour one, a lot of blame. Actually, I lie. You really went after one person for the Raiders' loss yesterday Mm. against the Chargers. Mm -hmm. I talked about the Mm O-line, some missed assignments Mm. by the running backs, Derek Carr not getting the ball out quickly enough, and Willie targeted – one person. We'll get to that one person on the way back. Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football is on the way.
1: It's the big five at four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers.
0: 570-900. Renfro again in motion, right to left. He's lined outside of Adams in the gun on first and ten. Carr, clean pocket. Settles. fars Deep pass. Looking Adams in the goal line. Intercepted. Asante Samuel Jr. takes a knee in the end zone. to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: You know, the margin wasn't that big. Raiders lose by five, but it's all the little things, all the little mistakes by the O-line, by car. You hear one of the car interceptions there. He threw three of them. That was Asante Samuel Jr. is uh, Horowitz on the call. Drew Tranquil got one. Callahan got one. And a couple of them I don't think Carr saw the defender when he was throwing the ball. He was flustered. He was flustered, and people were going after Carr. People are going after the offensive line. You think that McDaniels today didn't take enough ownership of the loss?
3: Uh, during the break, I pulled up today's transcript, Steve.
2: I'm glad you did that because I was feeling like, you know, we're playing some of the cuts from McDaniels. Maybe we missed no, we didn't. Maybe we missed the cut or cuts where he was like, hey, that's on, that's on us. That's-
3: I did a search for the word me.
2: Okay. He
3: mm-hmm. said at one time at the beginning of the press conference, he said that you're never going to hear me sit, talk about moral victories. I did a search for the word myself, like I have to do a better job myself, but zero times did he say the word myself. 49 results for the, for the word i meaning i right i have to i um there's only one answer one area it was asked in your career have you seen the biggest improvements in teams come between week one and two so it had you know just and in one spot he said there are certain things that we're doing well and there's certain other things we're not as in the team I think you got to coach those things as hard as you can this week, get them to trust it, believe in it, and then go out and do it in a game. And then when you get the results in a game, then it kind of starts to sink in like, yeah, this is a good formula for us. There were certain things that we understand, and I think that we'll see another opportunity here today to fix some of those things. So in a sense, he's saying you got to coach those things hard this week, but putting it back on them, they got to go out and do it. Okay, that makes sense. 49 results of the word I, one time did it relate to going out and coaching those things, not coaching better, it's on me. He said me one time, and that was that you're never going to hear me say moral victories. He in no way, shape, or form, in my opinion, took any sort of – didn't burden himself with the loss that maybe this team was not prepared well enough for a Chargers team that was, Brandon Staley is a, is a coach with the staff that's been in place with Herbert and that particular unit. The, the the one major change that we saw that had a big difference with that defense was the addition of Khalil Mack. They coached him up during the uh, during training camp, whatsoever. So, but they're familiar with it on offense. This is a brand new system that we've been talking about. Devonte Adams comes in. The college buddy, ninth-year pro Derek Carr, didn't get one snap in the preseason to at least get a little game time, get the jitters out, get something going with this new system. But we did see umpteen rotations on the offensive line because, well, that's the way it's done. We don't stick with the same five guys. We didn't narrow it down on the last preseason game to five guys because that's not how it's done. You're never gonna see the same five. That's not how it's done. Well, neither is yesterday.
0: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Car, queen pocket, stands tall, throws a crossing round and it's intercepted. Looking for Renfro, picked off by the Chargers. Bryce Callahan diving in front of Renfro. The third interception of Derek Carr today, and the Chargers take over around midfield. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Rough day for Derek Carr, under pressure the entire time. 16 hurries, 10 hits between Bosa and Khalil Mack, and they freaked him out, and they got him down the stretch too. That was uh, one of the interceptions. Bryce Callahan, former Denver Bronco, he got it. He got it. Rough day for the Raiders. Rough day. And and the whole moral victory thing, uh, who cares about the margin of victory or margin of loss? Got to win these games, and now they got to bounce back, and they got to figure out. Like I know what you're saying with, hey, you don't have five. You, you know, you're not you, but everyone was constantly asking McDaniel's in the preseason training camp about, hey, who are the set five guys? Who are the set five guys? And you know, you're kind of sarcastically saying, hey, you know, everyone does that. Everyone rotates a lot of guys. We know why they were rotating a lot of guys because they don't have five set guys.
3: Well, not only that, but I mean, to his. To his credit, I guess, is he was mixing, right? How many times did we go, wait a minute, timeout. Does Andre James have competition at center? He said, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And yeah. now Andre James is, you know, being tested for concussion. Hopefully he'll be back. If not, they may have to, you know, find someone to, to, to put the snaps. Now, I will say this. I think that McDaniels has been down this road, you know, when, you know, with his days with New England where you run up against decent competition, right? How many times did, they, did he probably have to face Peyton Manning or whatever? But uh- The fact of the matter is, they got a Cardinals team that came in that was absolutely decimated even worse than they were by a Chiefs team that is supposedly the second best team behind the Chargers in the AFC West. So I I, I, I tend to think that we're going, you know we, we talked about uh, Max Cosby and Chandler Jones numbers. He didn't they didn't get a sack, but they did have some pressure here and there. On Herbert. Um, I, I do think that we will see an improvement. And I think that they have, they obviously, you know, they they should be in a position to win the game. I mean, the, the books, looks like they opened it two and a half. It's already jumped up to five, five and a half at some places, with a total of 51 and a half. So they're obviously expecting a turnaround with the, uh, this offense at home, home opener. Carr and Adams, first time together in Allegiant. Um, I, I definitely think they can turn it around. It's just, you know, something's got to be done. He's got to be protected. And the defense, I think the defense is going to come to play.
2: I thought the defense came up big in the second half most of the time. Did. Right? They Chargers did. had yeah. repeated chances to blow the game open, and they yeah. kept the offense in the game, and then they the did. offense sputtered. But we are now heading into week two, and the two biggest questions of the offseason were, Hey, what did you do to improve the offensive line and what are you doing at cornerback? And now Averett's down, he's on IR. Now they're starting to pluck guys, you know, from other squads. So that's an issue. And you just mentioned Andre James may miss this week's game. Some of the other offensive linemen didn't play that well. So while yeah. I do expect them to handle the Cardinals, it's not a given when you've got two key position groups in question.
3: And. Not that we questioned it, but there was a... Not that we questioned it like, what are you doing? But there was a question as to, oh, wow. Keeping a big running backs room, huh? Could have got rid of a couple, maybe beefed up the offensive line, but no, no, no. Josh Jacobs runs the ball 10 times. Brandon Bolden, three times. No Amir, No Zamir. So... Uh, Running back by committee, I think you got to balance that offense out a little bit. Take the pressure off of Derek Carr just a bit. 37 throw uh, attempts, 22 completions, 295 yards, but the big number, three picks, 69.1 quarterback rating. So, yeah, I, I think you got to get the running game going to set up the pass uh, a bit. You know, the, the, you got to get them more involved. You have a, a stable of running backs that are fully capable. At least two more guys should have gotten touches in there.
2: Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football is on the way. It's Seahawks taking on their old quarterback in Russell Wilson and the Raiders division rival Broncos. Six-point spread right now. Twin Peaks is the spot, 50-plus TVs to check things out. Big beer, the 22-ounce under 4 bucks uh, during much of the game, and then a, a ton of cool food specials, apps at $2, $4, and $6 if you want the inexpensive apps. Full menu, great menu here at Twin Peaks. Come on down, it's on Eastern in Henderson. Monday Night Football coming up in less than an hour.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Money. 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 It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betty with
2: John Von Tobel. Von Tobel. Twin Peaks on a Monday, first Monday night football party of the year. Got margarita specials. Ooh, street taco special as well. You come in here, it's just a laundry list of cheap eats, great drink specials. It's on Eastern. The ladies are here. We're all fired up. John Von Tobel is jacked up. We'll get to a little UNLV breakdown here
1: in a couple minutes, but let's concentrate on the NFL, John. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I was going to open up with a statement that could have derailed the segment, but I'm not going to do that for
2: you. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, Willie has been very harsh to one Josh McDaniels. What did you think of the Raiders game yesterday against the Chargers?
1: Um, honestly, I don't know how you watch that game, and Josh McDaniels is the one you point to. I thought Derek Carr was terrible in that game. I don't think. I don't think it's saying anything you know, out of pocket when you look at that. When you look at the fact that in the first half he missed a touchdown throw to Darren Waller. Uh, All three interceptions, I think, were very poor reads and poor throws by Derek Carr. Uh, The one in which he tried to hit Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had his man beat. He underthrew him. Uh, He didn't see. He tried to force one over the middle. The linebacker undercuts it. And then he tries to force another one, and it's picked off. Uh, For me, if we're making a list uh, of the people to blame for that contest, Josh McDaniels, I think, is far away from... Um, what I would point to. Willie? Yeah,
3: well, he's the first one I'm going to point to because – I, I get it. You don't want to get your starters injured and you're trying to get most of your work in during practice, but unless you get your timing down in real-time game time with a brand-new system mm-hmm. and everyone's saying, well, Herbert didn't play. Yeah, well, Herbert played for the same coaching staff last year, so the system is the same. So uh, even a series per preseason game or one over the last two preseason they had four preseason games, and not one time did these guys get all the concentration was about, you know, Stidham looked great. Well, the the offensive line with the rotations, the number of guys, and trying to figure out who the starting five was going to be. In the meantime, you're right, JVT. He did underthrow. He did miss guys. He did look off. Well, maybe he needed real game time timing down, not
1: just, oh, out at Raiders facility against his own defense. I mean, I think, Willie, my argument, my rebuttal to that would be, because he didn't take 17 snaps, 10 of which would have been handoffs and a couple of quick slants and some bubble screens, that's why he threw those three interceptions yesterday? No, but
3: I still think that you have to get him in there. It's not just a matter of 17 snaps, 24 snaps, whatever it may be. You also kind of get a glimpse as to what you're working with with the offensive line. He, I mean, the pocket collapses around him. I just feel as if, this entire, that entire unit, you're, you're bringing in an offensive guru. That unit didn't look prepared, and that's not Derek Carr's fault. That unit wasn't prepared because the coaching staff. I just, gave, I just said this on the air. I went through today's transcript. One time did he use the word me today, never myself. 49 times did he say the word I, and the only time it referred to coaching where I have to do a better job, I have to prepare these guys, it just said, well, I have to go back and look at it and then they have to buy into it and then put it on the field. At some point, there's got to be accountability. He didn't take any of it.
1: Hmm.
2: John Von Vontobel's with mean? us. From VSN, John, you want to finish up, or you want to move on to some other no, NFL stories? I think you have We would
1: belabor the point. You know, I, I just think at the end of the day, when you when I watched what happened yesterday, like I came away with it thinking that Derek Carr's performance squandered what was an overall very good team performance. Like we could talk about them being underprepared. But that defense looked relatively prepared, right? It's they, they did a really good job, I think, for the most part, keeping their team in that game despite the multiple turnovers. Derek Hart had multiple bites at the apple to potentially win that game. So I thought overall as a team, it actually looked really good. And thus, that's why I wouldn't say like the team was unprepared. I thought it fell on the shoulders of one guy, not to overly blame Carr, not to belabor a point, but I thought the team as a whole – looked relatively prepared. So when we say that McDaniels didn't have them ready, I also think that kind of ignores what the rest of the team did around Derek Carr, which I thought was a genuinely good job.
2: I thought the defense was good for the Chargers. Obviously, Mack and Bosa were ridiculous. The offense was good, not great. I didn't love how they uh, didn't convert a lot of third downs. I didn't love how they ran the ball at times. So I'll keep the Chargers about where I thought they were before the season. They're getting three and a half this Thursday against the Chiefs.
1: So kind of building on this, Steve, like I actually came away with this. I'm not going to downgrade the Chargers by any sense, but I also don't come away with that thinking that they won that game. And, and I think the market somewhat reflects that some spots open. Kansas City as a three point favorite moved immediately to three and a half, which is the predominant number here. And why that matters is generally when you see three, especially in a primetime spot, it's probably going to come off of that. And it's going to float like two and a half, two and a half altered juices at a lot of spots. It's not been the case. Not only does it move off three, it goes to three and a half, and it's been sitting there ever since. So at least gives you an idea of what the market thinks of this matchup, which is uh, we're fine with leaving this at three and a hook because for the most part, in a lot of spots, you won't see three and a hook in a standalone game like that. And I think that tells you a little bit of something. So I want to sit back see what the market does here with this game. But I do think I come away from that. Like with the missed opportunities that the Raiders left out there in the field, and I haven't di- I haven't like really uh, jumped into the analytics and the numbers for this matchup yet, Uh, But I would guess that when I go into that, I'm going to look at a picture that is painted more of the fact that the Raiders lost that game as opposed to the Chargers winning that, and there actually might be some things to look at for the Chargers, specifically their secondary if J.C. Jackson's still not going to be available, that Kansas City and uh, Patrick Mahomes can take advantage of.
3: We all saw after week one that we we all saw ahead of time that the AFC South, the Texans and Colts would have a tie and the other two teams would have a loss. Now there's some interesting lines this week
1: yeah, I think what's interesting about this, Willie, is would you I would ask you, do you think the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, what separates those two from a point spread perspective, any if anything at all? Because for me, I don't really think there's anything between those two. And yet, because of what happens between the jags and or excuse me the Texans and the Colts, the Colts were a seven point favorite on the road against Houston. They're on the road against Jacksonville, They're laying four. So the question here is, do you think that Jacksonville is three points better than Houston? Because if you don't and you think that they're rated the same, you have to ask yourself why there's a difference here in a matchup like this. And maybe there is a sense that the Colts came into this season a little overvalued. And obviously they didn't cover that number on the road, so maybe there should be an adjustment here. But there's been a three-point adjustment, it seems. And the, the case is just, is it too much or is it too little? I tend to think we probably overvalued Indianapolis coming into this year, so adjusting their power rating is just... Uh, but I do. I, I find it interesting that you can find little things here and there, and this is one of the more obvious things that you can look at. If you ever want to know, like, hey, power rating perspective, what does an adjustment look like, and you get an idea here because two similarly rated teams in Houston and Jacksonville, and yet there's a three-point difference with a similar opponent both on the road. Looking ahead, Pats and Steelers. What do you think of that number? Man, so, well, I, I did see that it was back spasms for Mac Jones. Is he going to play? Because that's the big question, right? We're sitting at pick New England minus one and a half or minus one with a total of 40 and a half. I mean, it all depends on whether or not Mac Jones is going to play. I think that's why you enter this and think, hey, you know what? I I can't really do anything with it because while the Steelers, I thought, Steve, like I know you're kind of high on them. You picked them to win the AFC North. Uh, They they performed admirably. They also have an injury on that side, which is JJ or JJ Watt's brother, uh, TJ Watt, uh, who hit what, Torres Peck, I think is the official injury for him. Mm -hmm. So there's so many key pieces in moving parts for a game like this that I would say at this point on Monday until you get some clarity on guys that will impact the number by the way right TJ Watt will impact the number Mac Jones will impact the number I would sit back and be willing to just let the like just let everything clear and see what's going to happen because I don't think you would feel comfortable either way getting involved this early knowing that so many pieces are moving
2: nice position here if you want to take the Seahawks I think is it going to go higher than this and we got the Seahawks uh, tonight, first of all, let's break down Monday Night Football, and then I, will, I want to look at the San Fran game next week. What do you think on
1: Monday Night Football here with the Seahawks catching six? It, look, it's, it's going to be Seattle or pass, and it's not because I really like them a whole ton. It's because where this number opened up. In the offseason, remember, for those who don't remember, uh, these numbers open up in May. So we've had, we've had a crack at this for a while, and these are week one numbers. So they sit around for a really long time. This opened four in some spots, and now we're up to six and a half. I see one on my screen actually right now flashing green, so this happened within the last 10 minutes. We got a minus seven, even money, so if you want to take seven, you're laying about buck 20. Um, it's going to be Seattle or passing a spot like this just given where we opened, and I would say like I, I still have my reservations about Russell Wilson and this Denver Broncos team. When we talk about... You know, overvalued or undervalued teams. I do think Denver enters this year as one of the more overvalued uh, teams coming into wow. the season. I would tend to kind of want to play against them as opposed to bet on them, especially road. Look, the road is not worth that much, or home field's not worth that much. We're talking about like a point and a half, just like last year. Uh, but in a standalone environment like this, you might skew it a half point more. I just I would not want any piece of the Broncos.
2: Seattle on the road next week. Boy, the Niners and Trey Lance and the slop against the Bears. But anyway, uh, Seattle next week at San Fran is eight and a half.
1: Yeah, I think you just draw a line through what we saw from them. And actually, some, there's multiple nines out there, too. So wow. I, I do wonder what's going to happen because this did open eight and a half in the majority of spots. So I think you do, Steve, like draw a line through it, right? Like the slop, it was so bad. It's a pretty bad environment to kind of, it's not his first start. He started two games last year, but to get really the first start of the Trey Lance era underway. So you kind of draw a line to it to a certain extent and be like, all right, let's see what happens in a better environment back in San Francisco. Having said that, though, again, look, this is somebody who bet the San Francisco 49ers under their win total of the 10. So I love what happened yesterday. To lose a game as a touchdown favorite works wonderfully for somebody who's got under 10 on their win total. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think we've got a complete picture of what this team is. And on the other end, their defense is still going to be very, very good. And so maybe what San Francisco is is just a different type of team. They're not going to be this wide open offense this running game that is actually like absolutely genius and scoring a lot of points maybe they come more of a run oriented defensive type of team and that is going to be a little bit more lower scoring and play some contest tight like that i would not be rushing to lay nine with san francisco now we want to see how seattle looks here but i am willing to bet that if i'm right and this is also the trick with some of these numbers if i'm right in handicapping that seattle is going to be relatively live tonight then I would look to take nine because I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment there, more to like seven and a half or eight as opposed to going up to nine and a half or ten.
2: College football, did the betting market get it right so far, moving UNLV from plus one to minus three against North Texas?
1: How about that? I, I feel like the all the way to three is a little strong. Um, but at the same time, like Steve, this is – I think you and I have talked about this. This is now the third consecutive week in which the betting market as a whole – has supported UNLV. I think yep. that there is a real inclination, and I think we, Brad Powers, mentioned this when we talked to him last Thursday. Um, that this team is better, and they are going to be more competitive. We referenced, we talked, we got to talk to Marcus Royal today. He talked today about the seven losses uh, going back to last year, within one score. You know, at some point, you hope to break through. But from a betting perspective, this team has gotten much better, and the rating on them is starting to shift here a little bit. I do wonder this is quite the challenge, and now you're talking about laying a full three against a North Texas team that has a really good running game, really good play-action passing game, and some challenges up front defensively. Uh, but I would say, like for me, I thought they were going to be like a one, one-and-a-half point favorite for a somewhat weak home field. So I am, uh, I'm relatively surprised that we're up here to the full field goal across the board.
2: What did you notice from the game from an analytics standpoint? I know you looked into the PFF numbers for the Rebels.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is it's pressure, right? Like the pressure was a big deal here. Uh, Brumfield under pressure four of nine 40 yards 4 point4 yards per attempt he committed a turnover worthy play he was on pressure just over uh, under pressure uh, just under 40 percent of his dropbacks it's relatively high rate Cal did a really good job with that and when he was blitzed against Idaho State he completed nine of ten passes for over 150 yards and three touchdowns against the blitz he, he killed them when they blitzed against Cal it wasn't the same thing it was five of 12 63 yards five point3 yards per attempt did throw a touchdown. Uh, but was nowhere near as efficient against their blitz as he was against Idaho State. So that was the first one. Uh, And the other part of this is, and, you know, I asked Marcus Arroyo about this a couple of times, and uh, I asked um, AJ Ajake about this today, too, in media availability. This is a North Texas team that is going to play a lot of play action, and when you look at their analytics coming into this, uh, their quarterback, 57% of his dropbacks play action attempts. He's thrown six of his seven touchdown passes on play action attempts. It's going to be a really big deal for them when they take them on this weekend.
2: O-line, D-line, PFF?
1: Uh, Dude, so Leaf is awesome. Uh, Leaf, their center, is absolutely absolutely incredible. His pass-blocking numbers are great. Uh, And Eliel Ahimere is by far – a lot of people might be surprised by this because he's defensive tackle. doesn't make a lot. He's their best defensive player. There's no question about it when you look at those numbers, what he's able to do. He's been absolutely incredible. And Ajake is not that far behind him. Uh, Neither is Adam Plant. But when you look at the numbers at this point right now, their highest-graded defender is, is Eliel.
2: We should mention one more college game before we get out and hand it off to uh, the Monday Night Football call. My lord, what a setup for Oklahoma, Nebraska, eleven and a half, and Nebraska did it. They bailed on Scott Frost. They fired him yesterday. What are the? I mean, sometimes the you know the new coach in there rally for the new coach. I
1: just I have no idea what Nebraska is going to be like mentally. Uh, Steve, and the market says upgrade. It opened sixteen. It's down to like you said, eleven and a half. The first that's number we nuts. saw was Oklahoma minus 16. So Crazy. there is a thought that they are getting better. And I think there's, there's an argument to be made, right, that not, and I, I'm not really buying to like the whole like they're going to rally. I think it's more Scott Frost did not adjust. He was not a good coach when it came to second-half adjustments. Clearly what would beat them in the second or first half would beat them in the second half. And maybe there's something to getting him out of there, and maybe there will be some real adjustments made for this team once you reach the break. But the betting market is – I shouldn't say all in because that's strong but is in here on Nebraska, driving that down from some spots. Vast majority open 14-and-a-half. Didn't matter. We're down to that 11-and-a-half mark now. Yeah.
2: Football's back, baby. I don't want coaches getting fired, but my my lord. The ups I mean, and downs of college football. Addition
3: by subtraction.
2: Let's not be mean. Let's not pile on the millions of dollars that Scott Frost I was going to say, he got we'll like get, $17 million. He got, he, got, he got even more money they could have held out until October and cut down his buyout. John, we appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. John Vontobel. Decent. All right, Willie, who are you picking in this game? I already bet Seattle last week at plus six. I
3: like, I like Seattle plus six. I'm, I'm, oh same thing that JVT said. I, I, I'm not buying into this offense. I think that I th- Russell Wilson didn't play in the preseason. I think he's going to ease into it. And I think that it just as much as he's got to prove something with Denver, Pete Carroll's got to prove that it was okay to push him out the door.
2: Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football, Eastern, get on down here. Willie's giving out prizes. they got great beer and food specials. Twin Peaks on Eastern for MNF.